0: Everybody, welcome to the program. I'm Juliana Forlano. Thank you for listening. Thanks for tuning in. And thanks to the Political Voices Network for producing this show. We're going to do the headlines up front. And then in the second half of the show, we have Seth Shostak, the senior astronomer from the SETI Institute, that is the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence. He's going to weigh in on some of the things that were said by the military men. How do the military's experience of UFOs or UAPs jive with what the scientists are finding when it comes to extraterrestrial intelligence. Won't that be fun? I think it will. But first up, the headlines. Stay tuned. First up, as the new school year approaches, Das Führer, Das Santis, His minions are hard at work down in Florida, culling the reading lists. Slated for banishment from the school curriculum, Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet for supposed sexual content. Now, I'm sure these kids are seeing worse on their kids' iPads on the bus. But anyway, Romeo and Juliet, no good. Of course, they're leaving Hamlet, who wanted to up his mother, if I remember correctly. Probably because none of them have ever read it. They don't even know it's in. Oh, Democrats, Democrats, wherefore art thou Florida Democrats? Oh, yeah, you're being systematically disenfranchised down there. I forgot. Next up, Special Counsel Jack Smith. It was reported this week that he put out a search warrant for Trump's Twitter account back in January. This was the first known example of prosecutors directly searching Donald Trump's communications in the federal inquiry into the events of January 6th. Now, I'm not going to parse out what that means legally, what that means to the case, and what it means that they're looking for, because other people on the Political Voices Network are doing a great job at that. I want to focus on the fact that Borg, pale Borg person, Elon Musk, who was in charge of Twitter, that's now X. But it was named Twitter back in January, he was in charge of Twitter when this search warrant was was issued back in January, he refused to comply with a federal search warrant for Trump's Twitter account, which of course cost Twitter hundreds of thousands of dollars in fines, but basically he didn't want to do it because the warrant had a non-disclosure order which basically barred Twitter from telling Trump that his account would be searched. So they weren't, Elon Musk did not want to turn over his buddy Trump's Twitter account without telling him he was going to do so because privacy and First Amendment rights, which is not true. I want to point out the fact that men in power are protecting themselves over here. Meanwhile, in a very similar and yet different outcome story when it has to do with just your average Jane. These social media companies are happy to turn over all your stuff, no questions asked. I don't know if you missed this story. It just came out. Maybe July, mid-July. But there was an investigating officer that served a warrant to Meta, Facebook is Meta, Meta is Facebook, who then just, Turned over, unencrypted chat sessions between a woman and her daughter about abortion pills. And basically the woman has been charged and so has the daughter for abortion-related crimes. Because in Nebraska now, you can be charged for abortion-related crimes. Isn't that interesting? How when two men in power, they want to protect each other's privacy. But when it comes to a mom and her daughter talking about their personal health care choices, any old investigator Joe Schmuck can ask for your private communications and Facebook does not even put up a fuss. I think Facebook should have put out there just to make sure everybody knows that those communications are not private. Supposedly. I guess me, the consumer, I'm supposed to know what encrypted means. And if these are encrypted and that's not encrypted, what exactly that means? Does that mean it's private? Does that mean it's not private? Personally, I'm of the mind that if someone can create the technology to encrypt something so that you can't read it, they can create the technology to unencrypt it in case they really want to read it. So Facebook owns WhatsApp. WhatsApp is supposed to be the private one that's encrypted. I it's just the whole thing is is disgusting it's vile and if you need to talk to your your relatives about anything I think we got to go back to the old-fashioned way where you write it on a piece of paper and then you know burn it or eat it afterwards people in power get covered for in our next story and this is something that's close to my heart the FDA has approved, you you heard it on Monday in the Washington Post, the FDA approved the first ever pill for postpartum depression in women. This is exciting. Um, Clinical trials show that it's fast acting. It's an oral tablet. Why is that important? Because women, it's hard to get out of the house when you have a newborn or even it's a six months old because postpartum depression can last for years. It can have very lasting effects. And some of the other, one of the other treatments, which only came out in 2019, by the way, just a few years ago, is like a shot that you have to go to the doctors to get. It's not easy. Um, it's like another pressure that a, a depressed woman m- may not be able to handle. Prioritizing maternal mental health, that, it, it, can we do that? Are we able to do that now? That is really amazing. I, I would be very happy to do that. The fact is that's the fact that what's so unfortunate here is the only time we do that is when there's a pill. (laughs) Now that we can sell something and make cash, now we'll start to prioritize it. I looked it up. The figures that are out there show that 20% of women have postpartum depression, 20% of women, mothers who just gave birth. Now that figure can't possibly be accurate since. Number one, many women don't even know what it is and wouldn't know how to look for it. Number two, women are not screened for it, so I'm not sure how the, how they could possibly get an accurate count. And number three, I have talked to women who had this, and I, I know a little bit about this. Women are ashamed that they have it, so they don't want to report it. They believe that maybe not feeling so attached to the child or... Um, feeling, having dark thoughts about how difficult it is and even thoughts about how, you know, you wouldn't be a great mother and maybe you shouldn't be here. These are the dark thoughts of a depression. But our society puts the pressure on people that you got to love your kid and smile and really enjoy every precious moment (laughs) while you're up all night with sleep deprivation, which has been characterized by federal courts in the United States, at least. As actual torture. They've been using sleep deprivation to torture people for years. Which can, of course, it's known to weaken you both physically and psychologically. So sleep deprivation plus the depression, it's a lot on women. Now, there was another story that's related to this that caught my eye specifically because I had a close friend who was actually a patient of this doctor. You may have seen this. You're probably not reading the New York Post, but it did make the rounds on the Internet. But a prominent New York City cancer doctor, Crystal Cassetta, and then, quote, shot her baby and then turned the gun on herself in suspected murder-suicide. Now, can we please have a new word for um, what happened there? Perhaps instead of calling it a murder-suicide, call it psychotic episode gone wrong something. Something other than murder Suicide. We need some other words for something where a person has um a mental health issue that leads to something so out of character for this loving, kind woman who is successful, who was of service to other people, a real humanitarian, all reports of her being wonderful. What the New York Post did, which we can always we can trust the, the New York Post and any Fox related Fox News owned Fox Inc Murdoch owned paper rag to do, which is um, just to distort stories and twist them. They focused on how she had money and a beautiful house and that her husband owns a business. They focused on that. But I think what I to report that this very wealthy woman shot her child and herself. Yes. Yes. Yes, because she had postpartum depression, and postpartum depression can happen to anyone. I I just want to send my deepest condolences to the family. I hope that the tragedy they've experienced will, at the very least, help others understand how serious and difficult this condition is. The New York Post, a few days later, after they had already profited greatly off of the way they reported this story, interviewed a doctor who said, you know... um, that it was likely that this was an incident of postpartum depression. That doctor said that it's important to shower new moms with love and support and watch over them in case they start to struggle. And I'm thinking that's a nice, okay, this woman who had this happen, she had her parents there. Your parents might not, you know, uh, watching over them in case they start to struggle is a very good idea but how about we don't make them go back to work after six weeks? How about society gets together as a community who cares about babies and moms and support these people? Do you know the country with the best maternity policy in the world is actually Bulgaria. Never been there, but they give 410 days of maternity leave there. Norway gives 49 weeks, Sweden over a year, Germany, 14 weeks, Greece, 43 weeks and paternity leave japan gives men a year iceland gives them 6 months finland gives them almost half a year mothers in in france not only do you get paid these are paid maternity leaves by the way paid maternity leaves not only in france do you get paid maternity leaves but preschool is free at three starting at 3 years old and before that the cost is cheap free, or based on your income. They are supporting their people. And over here, well, let's give them some drugs, shall we? Let's give them some drugs. (laughs) We're only even going to talk about it once we have a drug and can profit off of it. That's what we do here in the United States. Good Lord. Now, take the drug if you need it. Because this drug is said to have improved depressive symptoms in just three days. And then it's sustained for weeks after even the, even after you discontinue, it actually, it actually helped in the long term. So by all means, if you need the drug, take the drug. Because if we wait for our elected officials to help create the environment in which everyone is, cared for and feels cared for, we're gonna have a lot more situations on our hands. One of uh, <laughs> the, the point, apparently the drug is to modulate the chronic stress. And I'm thinking chronic stress, yes, there is a lot of chronic stress to becoming a new mom. There's the sleep deprivation, which I mentioned before. There is, uh, you know, the 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 chronic stress, of not having any family leave. The chronic, by the way, what the US has, we have the Family Medical Leave Act. This is for public agencies, private and public schools, and companies with more than 50 employees. These employers have to give eligible employees, which means if you haven't been there long enough, you're not eligible, up to 12 weeks of unpaid leave. That's right. No money, but you can go away for three, four, you know, four months, but you, better have saved up some cash because they're not paying you for that. It's absolutely insane that we don't have covered universal health care for, well, I'd love universal health care in general, but, you know, maternity leave and paternity leave. You know what else we don't have? We don't have medical care for the babies. If the mom doesn't have it, then forget it. We don't have college education guaranteed, so we're worried about that. Now that college costs a bajillion dollars, you have to start saving in utero or beforehand. If you want your kid to go to college, do we have a social safety net in case mama or papa get hurt? No. All we have is people screaming about the sanctity of life, but unwilling to put their money where their inhumane mouth is and fund parental leave in this country. In his first year in office, Biden proposed as part of his big social agenda that he would guarantee up to 12 weeks of paid family leave and he talked about it in the state of the union address yet all 50 republicans in the senate and one democrat or at least democrat in name only joe manchin rejected it and because these love these guys love to be self-righteous over saving in utero babies but once they cross that vag line f you That's how they feel. So we would have had maternity leave if we had more Democrats and we need more Democrats. So let's get out there and vote when it's time. While we still can vote before the next fascist gets in and turns everything on its head. Oh my gosh. I need to calm down. Now with the wildfires in Hawaii, and some of these other stories, we have a lot of things to report that are that are pretty sad this week. But there are things people like myself count on to get us through these hard times. And so this next story really personally hit me rather hard. Campbell's Soup Company is buying Rouse. Rouse, the most delicious jarred pasta sauce there is. The kind actual italian americans will use and say it's good the kind you can almost fool your nonnas and zias and just thinking that you made it at home while you hide the jar not that i've ever done that <laughs> that sauce company is being bought by the same company that makes the chicken soup that smells like BO. I swear to god if you close your eyes And sniff Campbell's chicken noodle soup. You're not going to be able to tell if it's the soup or somebody who hasn't washed their pits in a few months. Have you ever tried? Not to mention that Campbell's already makes sauce. Prego is what they make. So here's my my sadness. I know how these things work. They're going to dumb down the sauce. They're going to cheapen the sauce. Now, they say they're not going to touch it. Maybe they want to have their A-list brand Rouse and then their crap sauce that they already make, Prego. But they say they're not going to touch the Rouse, but come on. Everybody knows that's what companies do. They get a nice product, something that people love and buy a lot of and have found that's good, and then they destroy it. They slowly start degrading it, put in cheaper cheaper ingredients and increase their profit margin maybe they're going to start to get their italian tomatoes in the united states grown on u.s soil that is completely depleted i'm not going to go into that but u.s soil absolutely depleted of nutrients it's different in italy they've got volcanoes that are feeding their soil and have fed it for millennia we've got factory farming and erosion and fertilizer made out of plastic (laughs) okay anyway the next thing you know Rouse is going to be Prego 2.0 the sauce formerly known as Rouse I hate to end this on a sad note but there's still some Rouse in the store so if you want to take a run on it now's the time Stay tuned. My interview with Seth Shostak is coming up next. You are watching the Juliana Forlano Show on the Political Voices Network. Please, if you haven't subscribed and hit the ding bell button or wherever you are, subscribe. Leave a comment, Leave a review if you're on Apple iTunes. That really helps the show. And you know, this is a new show, so we could use the help. We could use um, the we could use help uplifting progressive and I I might hesitate to say, sane voices in this country. You know the right and the far right and the super far right. They have a lot of voices. They have the radio waves. They have the cable waves. And what do we have? We have this. People-powered media. I need your help with that. So drop me a comment. Drop me a like. Thank you so much. We'll be right back. while all eyes of our nation are on the big orange man there's a few people paying attention to the little green men that might be out there that's right last week a house oversight subcommittee held a hearing on ufos in which lawmakers heard testimony from three former military officials who made claims ranging from encounters with unknown objects to the federal government sheltering alien spacecraft. Kirsten Gillibrand is actually doing something about part of the problem here. The fact is that people like our uh, aviation experts, our uh, commercial airline pilots, other people who are up in the sky for different reasons, be they military or civilian, when they see these anomalies, they don't have anywhere to report them that will then follow up An all-domain anomaly resolution office is something that Kirsten Gillibrand is spearheading so that there can be a review of all these unidentified aerial phenomena in a scientific and thorough way. I think this is exciting. The Hill thinks that the UFOs are the biggest story of the century. Who should we talk to that might be able to give us insight into not only uh, the phenomenon of these unidentified aerial, well, phenomena, but also into sort of the social context in which this research is starting to happen. Well, got a big surprise for you. Seth Shostak, senior astronomer at the SETI Institute, is joining me today on the podcast SETI is the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence. They are the nonprofit research organization located in the Silicon Valley, right near the NASA Ames Research Center that used to be funded by NASA. And SETI's mission is to lead humanity's quest to understand the origins and prevalence of life and intelligence in the universe and share that knowledge with the world. So get your coffee, get ready. We're going to have a fun conversation. With Seth Shostak. Stay tuned. Seth Shostak, senior astronomer at the SETI Institute. Thank you so much for joining me here today.
1: How a real pleasure.
0: So before I jump into what's happening with politics and aliens and what used to be known as UFOs, let's talk about what kind of interesting things SETI's been up to these, these since we I last spoke to you, which I think was at least six months ago.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I, I think that uh, the most interesting project for me here is still the SETI project. In other words, trying to eavesdrop on the aliens. But there are, you know, dozens and dozens of other projects that are looking not for intelligence elsewhere, but just biology, just life. And after all, there might be life fairly nearby. Uh, you know, only 35 million miles away from downtown Philadelphia is, <laughs> uh, is Mars, at least on a good day. And, you know, there might be some bacteria there, but there are also six other places in the solar system where there might be life, mostly the moons of Jupiter and Saturn. And, uh, you know, we're looking for that. that. That would be interesting, even if they're only bacteria, just to find something that's alive that has nothing to do with Earth.
0: Oh, how far off can the SETI work, like how far in the distance is the SETI work listening for um, extraterrestrial uh, signaling?
1: Yeah. Well, our eavesdropping uh, experiments, which are exactly what you're talking about there. We have a bunch of antennas about 300 miles north of San Francisco. Uh, You know, you can hear things from on the other side of the universe, if you will, you'll permit me that term. It depends on how much money the aliens are willing to spend on their transmissions, right? If they put a lot of power into their transmissions, then, you know, the signal will be strong enough for you to find it. If they're, you know, cheap, They might be cheap. Or they might assume we have better antennas than we do. Then maybe we don't find them because they're so far away that we can't pick up their signal. But in principle, there's no limit.
0: Perhaps they do not um, want us to hear what they're saying about us. Well, they may
1: not want us to hear them. I mean, this is something that is occasionally thought about. That, you know, broadcasting anything into space, whether it's a, a message to the aliens or it's just... You know, the six o'clock news, whatever on television, all those signals go out into space. You can't get them back. And they're mostly relatively weak. But on the other hand, if the aliens have antennas that are a little bit bigger than ours, they might be able to pick them up. And since you don't know what their personalities are like, you know, maybe they're just aggressive and they just want to, I don't know, flatten your planet or something like that. Well, that's so my that's-
0: assumption. I mean, if we're the most, if we t- take, if we think that humans are the most, intelligent species, and then we look at how we've flattened our own planet, it it doesn't bode well for, uh, although they might be intelligent in a way that, that we have not gotten to. Could be,
1: could be. I mean, you know, they say dolphins are intelligent, but if you've ever tried to have a conversation with a dolphin, you know, it's a different kind of intelligence. That may be, maybe the aliens are all, I mean, maybe the only ones that, you know, care about our signaling into space, inadvertent as it is would be the aggressive aliens who just want to come here for the natural resources. Like, well, hmm, there aren't many natural resources uh, on this planet that they don't have on their planet, with the exception of the various forms of life.
0: How does it make you feel that Elon Musk is going up and tinkering with going up into space and wanting to go to Mars and, uh, you know, with private industry getting involved in something that was normally government government's uh, uh projects
1: yeah well i have no problem with it actually and in, in fact if you look at the history of aviation you find that you know that's exactly how that developed right it was originally the idea of these guys in north carolina you know flying something on the the, the beaches of north carolina at kitty hawk but you know then they gave it to the army they sold this idea to the army and the army could see you know world war 1 was coming along they could see the advantage of being able to these machines that could fly for reconnaissance or dropping bombs or whatever the deal was but eventually aviation was developed not by the government so much but by you know commercial enterprises and that's what drives most aviation today you know united airlines has a budget that's probably comparable to the us air force i'm not sure of that but in any case you know having and a, yet
0: they a, still don't give you the good peanuts anymore
1: is that true? I didn't realize there had been a decrease in the quality of peanuts. The well, peanut- they snuck that by me.
0: <laughs> it's all pretzels now because people have peanut allergies, et cetera. Oh, so. Well, there
1: is that, yeah. But I like the peanuts better. Yeah,
0: me too. Me too. So. <laughs> That's interesting. That that kind of relates into a question I was going to ask you a little further down the line about the intersection between uh, what you do and the U.S. military, because after this House Oversight Committee held their hearing just a few weeks ago on UFOs, which aren't called U.S.O.s <laughs> anymore, um, there was... This testimony, as I'm sure you know, from three former military officials making claims ranging from encounters with unknown objects to the federal government sheltering alien spacecraft. Um, why are why is the government uh, having these kind of um, panels? Why are they doing this at this point in time? What's your take on this?
1: Well, I, I you know, you're talking about the whole UAP investigation, UAP being the new term for uh, what used to be called UFOs, but it's basically the same phenomenon.
0: I'm Look, sticking with UFO.
1: Yeah, okay. <laughs> it sounds I, I, weirder.
0: I don't like how they whitewashed UFO into something else.
1: Hey, I'm with you. I, I mean, I
0: agree. 100%. But on the other hand, you know, there's
1: been government interest in this for a long time, ever since the whole phenomenon of UFOs got started, really in the late 1940s. And the reason was that the Air Force needs to know what's up in our airspace. There's a simply a a security aspect to that. It isn't that things have to be kept secret, but on the other hand, if there's something flying around, right, it could be a danger to their planes and United United Airlines planes as well. So there's an obvious interest in knowing what's in our airspace, and I think that that's that's the fundamental interest they have. They want to know is there anything to this. Now the stories of course, go much farther. And they say, oh, well, you know, the U.S. government has retrieved, as you say, uh, alien craft. This fellow David Grush in this House uh, subcommittee hearing maintained that the government has teams that go out and routinely collect debris from alien crashes. These aliens are bad pilots. Mm -hmm. Anyhow.
0: Obviously. (laughs) well, I
1: I, I don't buy that. They're the Elon Musk's of
0: of the other planets coming
1: over here and... But Elon Musk when he talks about going into space, you know how far is he talking? Maybe into orbit, maybe to the moon, maybe to Mars, but he doesn't talking about go he doesn't talk about going to the stars. That's much 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 much
0: more difficult. Stars are far. Stars are far. Stars are far. There is the title yeah. for this <laughs> for this piece. I love it. If there were alleged secret government programs Why? uh, I'm assuming the government would. See, we'll never know. And because they're secret for a reason, I would imagine.
1: Well, yeah, but I don't I don't know what the reason is. And, you know, maybe you could concoct one. But, you know, is it also true that the Canadians are keeping it secret and, you know, the, the Bolivians and Botswanans and the Belgians and, you know, all these countries are keeping it secret or did the aliens only want to come to earth because they like the fast food i mean it's it's just doesn't make much sense to assume there's a worldwide conspiracy to keep something secret that tens of thousands of scientists would spend all their time working on if only they could have some confidence that there was any truth to it
0: yeah you think you think
1: it would get out oh yeah
0: i mean yeah. i I'm looking forward to contact personally, because I can't imagine with all of the, the multitudes out there that we would be the only pinnacle of, you know, organized life. um, That just seems like a ridiculous proposition, a a proposition based on hubris.
1: Exactly. I I think a lot of my relatives believe they're the pinnacle of something, but I agree with you. We're, We're probably not. I mean, you know, I can imagine the dinosaurs sitting around thinking, well, you know, we're it. This is the best evolution can do. And there'll never be anything more interesting than we are. You, might be true, actually.
0: What do you make? I hope not. What do you make of this hunger for aliens, though? It seems like people really want it to be true. I feel like they don't necessarily know what they're asking for. Be- I mean.
1: Yeah, well, I think it, I don't know. I mean, obviously, it's a learned behavior, but I don't discount the possibility that it, some of it might be a sort of an inherited behavior because there's some survival value in being interested in what's over the hill there, right? Because it might be another tribe that might come over that hill and compete for your resources or your women or something, right? So I I think that there is a natural curiosity about other beings that are more or less on the same level that you are. So you can't assume that they're going to be served up at dinner, right? Mm. They just might be competitors.
0: We're such a... Uh, polarized nation right now that i thought may one of two things one one of two things might bring us together one would be uh if we all agree that we need to address what's happening with climate change but apparently that's not happening just yet and ufo's and alien if the aliens come and we can't deny that they're there and we might need to bond together to save the Earth, you know i, I that's my uh, it's not exactly my hope, but it's it's I feel like it's one of the only things that will get us back together at this point. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills.
1: The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is.
0: Learn more at meta.com
1: slash metaverse impact. Well, I have to say I admire your uh, your your optimism and your idealism. <laughs> yeah.
0: Thank you, know. you. You're right. It's not, <laughs> it's not, it's not realistic. I have to actually admire your optimism. I mean, I've, I've known you for a number of years. You've been uh, searching for extraterrestrial, uh, you know, intelligence for a number of years. I'm not sure if you found all that much more than when I originally met you um at the what was it the conference on world affairs uh, right. a number of years ago but you're still hopeful and and you still enjoy the work talk talk about how you may you don't ever get like oh we're never gonna get one of these radio signals what if i done? you know you don't you don't get bummed out at how long it takes
1: well no because unlike what you might gather from the movies portrayal of what we're doing you know in the movies they're just people sitting around with Earphones. I have the earphones, uh, but you know, sitting around, <laughs> around waiting to pick up a signal, right? And and that isn't the way it is done but to begin with. That would be really boring, and that's more or less the first thing that you automate with computer programs. So the listening's all being done by computers, and they only squawk at you if they find a signal that they can't ascertain whether it's actually, you know, an extraterrestrial signal or just interference from human activity. So. You don't get bothered very much. There aren't many false alarms. So, you know, there's that. But I think that the interest in the job is, one, of course, this is a big-picture question, right? Is there anybody out there? So it's sort of fun to be working on a on a project that would have tremendous import. I mean, you know, a thousand years from now, people would still remember that when we found life beyond Earth, right? I think they would. Uh, but the other thing is that there's always something new, right? I mean, every day there are, Stories from researchers around the world that how oh, they found a new planetary system or uh, they found sulfur in the atmosphere, some planet, things like that. There's always something that bears on this question. So it's, you know, it's like any research in science, there's something going on all the time, and that keeps your interest.
0: If you were to get a radio signal back that was, or a, a signal back of some sort that was credibly evidence of intelligent life or contact, who do you call first? What do you do with that information? Is (laughs) it government? Is it the media? Where do you go with that?
1: You don't have to call anybody. Yeah, call my mom, but no, it's, uh, in fact, what happens is that the media are calling you because there's no secrecy in this program. The media all know about what we're trying to do. We're in all their Rolodexes. They call me two or three times a day, even when we haven't said that, that we found a signal, I mean, they're always in touch with you. So the facts are that if we were to find a signal within 24 hours, you would know about it, and you would know about it even though we wouldn't be sure after 24 hours that it was really an extraterrestrial signal, because it takes a couple of days to sort of track it down and figure out. All right, is this coming from you know deep space, or is this coming from uh, you know that, that antenna on the top of the hill over there? Right, so. Uh, there are going to be is, some false alarms.
0: Yeah. Is there any, is there, so basically the first reporter to get you is getting the story. Yeah. And, okay, I'm going to start calling every day. You're going to regret having told yeah. me that. <laughs> um, that's very interesting. God, I don't even know where to go now. That's I'm gonna Now I got to start pummeling you with texts and, and I want the first one to, to know about extraterrestrial life. Yes, I understand completely. Do you um, do you find that now, so you've been working at this since before the internet was a thing. Um, do you find that now that people are doing their own research, et cetera, y- there is more interest in um, what's going on in astronomy in terms of uh, intelligence in, in the world? Well,
1: I don't know. Again, that's really hard to judge. I mean, you could sort of informally judge on the basis of how many phone calls or emails I get every day from uh, media. Uh, I don't know that that's changed very much, but it does change. I mean, the only time I ever noticed that it had changed, it had gone up was uh, when the X-Files began playing on American television. Right. And that got everybody interested. But I think, I mean, the public has always been interested. They always have been interested in this, you know, go back to 1900. And there was a lot of talk that people were arguing about whether there was life on Mars. And at that point, m- most scientists would have said, yes. Mm. But, but by the 1960s and 70s, when we actually had spacecraft that could go to Mars, the answer became no. But I think that the answer is drifting back to yes again. Not that we found it, but that people are a little more optimistic that they might've been 10 years ago. I think this is a perennial interest. And uh, it it has its ups and downs. If there's a popular science fiction film playing in the theaters, it goes up. Right. You know?
0: Sure. Every time there's one of these house investigations or Kirsten Gillibrand comes out and says, we're going to do X, Y, and Z. I'm sure the interest goes up and it lends sort of a, a, a credibility to the idea of little green men.
1: Well, I've testified a couple of times to the house, actually, uh, to Congress and, uh, you know, some of their questions were really interesting. I remember the last time, one, one of the, uh, I guess these are House of Representatives. So these are representatives uh, asked me, so what really happened at Roswell? You know, they're, they're just interested.
0: What just really like happened
1: everybody. at Roswell? Well, <laughs> what happened at Roswell was there was a project called, uh, uh, what was it called? Anyhow, what it was designed to do was to learn whether the Soviets had the bomb so this was the late 1940s. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Roswell was an Army Air Force. Uh, it was just, well, what we now call the Air Force, was an Air Force. There's an Air Force base at Roswell. It's still there, actually. And uh, what they were doing was launching these balloons mm. up to high altitudes. So the balloons were, you know, just high altitude balloons. But they also had uh, uh, microphones and a little amplifier and a small transmitter. So they were listening for booms, right sudden booms, just audio booms. Uh, they were just listening for the Soviets to detonate a bomb, mm. and they would hear the boom. That was the idea. but of course, these balloons would go up, and you know they eventually came down as all balloons do. they have leaks or whatever, and uh, one of them came down you know not very far away from where it was launched, uh sort of northwest of the city of Roswell it was picked up by a rancher, and then you know. Developed into a story with a local paper, but that's what happened at Roswell. It was this project mogul. That was the name. That's so disappointing.
0: Well, (laughs) I mean, thank you for the truth, but uh... yeah, I
1: I agree. It's disappointing, but on the other hand, it fits all the facts. Yeah. uh,
0: Yeah. The facts can be very boring. That's why the media, (laughs) that's why the media uh, drums them up into insanity. Do you find that SETI, the Institute, I don't know how it's funded, does it, um, or even interest in in, um, extraterrestrial life, do you find that there's more support by one, I know we kind of only have two parties now, but one sort of political leaning versus the other? I don't know that we
1: even have the data to to answer your question, actually, Mm -hmm. because You're right. This research used to be a NASA project. When I joined the SETI Institute back uh, around 1990, it was still a NASA project, but it was killed by a House Democrat. Actually, uh, no, a Senator. Senator uh, killed it. He was trying to prove to his constituents that he wasn't spending their tax money on something as silly as looking for alien intelligence. So he, he you know, introduced a motion. It was killed back in 19, you know, about 1990, 1991. And since then, it has been, as you say, funded by people who you know, just find it interesting. Now, I don't know their political uh, preferences actually, uh, but they're usually people who have a lot of money. So if you think that that correlates with political party, then there's probably a, you know, an asymmetry there. But I mean, we don't ask them about their politics when they send a check.
0: Just a big thank you appreciate. That is nice to be able to stay out of the fray of politics. Yeah. 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 Um, Anything else you think that uh, lovers of the potential for extraterrestrial contact would want to know at this at this moment in the work?
1: Well, I I think it would be a very big story. Uh, I've actually polled the media on how big a story this would be if we were to find a signal. And uh, the answers I got were mostly the biggest story ever, with the possible exception of the assassination of JFK. Mm. So that, that was their reaction to it. I, I'm sure that, you know, the history books a thousand years from now would still mark the beginning of the 21st century as the time when we found out, you know, there was other intelligent life out there. So in that sense, it's a big story. Uh, what I am occasionally asked by both producers of movies and TV shows and, for that matter, the media is what would the aliens be like? And you know, most Americans figure they'd be sort of like us except ugly. I mean right. There's that, never
0: any real hot aliens that that you that you somehow find oddly sexually attractive. It's always well, they're hideous. Well, there
1: there have been a few, but but <laughs> actually but they were evil. Anyhow, was,
0: of course.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but but you've, already, you've already pointed out that you know the big the big thing that's going to happen in the 21st century. Is uh, the invention of you know thinking machines? Mm. We have machines that have AI in them already, but you know they don't do anything that your your dog couldn't do if your dog had learned to drive or something. I mean they're they're very limited, but that will change quickly. And you know by the end of this century, uh, the dominant intelligence on Earth isn't going to be a soft squishy human. It's going to be some sort of machine. So I think one of the most interesting things that you might learn from finding the aliens is what they're like, what they're made of. Mm. Are they biological at all or are they just highly evolved machines? And I I'd bet my with money the on the fascinating.
0: <laughs> <laughs> ah, yes, like it's their AI that finally got in touch with our AI and and the circle is complete.
1: I'm going on break, yeah.
0: Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. I always love talking to you about about uh, astronomy or any any other things. Seth Shostak, thanks a, a bunch. I appreciate it so much.
1: Thank you, Juliana.
0: We'll see you again. This is Juliana Forlano for the Political Voices Network. Stay tuned. Thanks so much for watching, everybody. This has been the Juliana Forlano Show on the Political Voices Network, wherever you're watching. I would really appreciate it if you would subscribe. Obviously, we're a new show, so we're building and building. And leaving a comment helps too, so I'd appreciate that. First of all, I love to read them. Second of all, it helps the algorithm push this kind of info out through the fog and maze of online disinformation that is there. Thanks so much. I will see you next week.